Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending bright daily capsules, powered by Neurobloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors, available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have uh, Joseph Warren. He's a podcast host himself, uh, an author as well. Uh, he created what's called Your First 100K, which is, uh, again, a top 100 podcast in entrepreneurship. And now he also hosts Broken Catholic, which is a number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Um, his show has been rated under the top 100 Christian podcasts in the world since 2019. So we're going to talk about his uh, consulting work with uh, seven and eight figure entrepreneur Christian men, uh, helping them navigate both success and uh, their, their family life, it sounds like. So, Joseph, thanks for coming. Rich, it's a pleasure to be here, my friend. Happy to help in any way I can. Yeah, I hope I got the intro right. Sometimes I don't uh, give much of one because I can't explain it as good as the, uh, the guest does. But um, I think you nailed it. Well, please tell people about your background. Like, what, what got you to where you are today? What's your journey been like? Sure, I'll dive right into it. Uh, sometimes that's a little fast for people, but let's see how, if everyone could just hang on. Here we go. All right, so I was raised in a family of six kids and a um, strong uh, Christian home. Uh, my father, Marine Corps, uh, had just come back from Vietnam, the war. Uh, had a lot of trauma, a lot of pressed down, pushed down anger. Uh, from feeling out of control, watching all his friends be killed in front of him. And he didn't know what to do with all that anger. He didn't have an outlet. And I think that's the story for many men, uh, Christian, atheist, agnostic, doesn't matter. As men, society teaches us, press it down, push it down, don't deal with it, don't face it. Uh, but eventually anger is like a ticking time bomb and it comes out somewhere. So for my father, uh, he married my mother from Greece. And uh, she's authentic Greek, you know, like the olive oil. And they had six beautiful children, loving home. But uh, though my dad had the best of intentions as a husband and a father, his anger uh, eventually started to come out in the marriage and in the parenting. And he just had such a short fuse. He would blow up on us all the time, you know, just for doing things that children do, like disobeying, <laughs> for example, or disrespecting or testing our boundaries. And my dad just didn't know how to process that. So he would 
just blow up uh, just out of control emotions. So I got to see that as a young boy. And that really shaped me because not only did it shape uh, what it looks like to be a man uh, looking like out of control emotions, but it really shaped my image of God as well, because my human father kind of represented my image of God, the father. So I saw God as this tyrant uh, that I needed to please and perform well for all the time. And if I didn't, he would explode on me and judge me and condemn me. So I was very afraid of him. So my dad yeah. loved me, but he didn't know how to process anger. So now the work that I get to do is I get to work with guys, Richard, that are like my dad. That I just, hope that's a good thing. <laughs> it's a great thing, brother, because it's such a healing thing. Because not only did I wrestle with anger and feeling out of control and workaholism and alcoholism and sex addiction, but now I get to coach men that have that are in there, that they're stuck there. I'm no longer stuck there. Like I got through it. I'm out on the other side. I have peace. I have purpose. It's amazing. But that's how I got to where I'm doing, which is this elite men's coaching. Yeah, something interesting you said is that uh, your perception of what God was like came from your your earthly dad, you know, your dad. Mm. Is that that probably is a pretty common thing I would think for men, right? Like what talk to me a oh. little bit about that. Yeah, I think it's uh very common actually. You know, our first image of, you know, love and tenderness and masculinity is really from our fathers. Um, our mothers, it's nurturing and it's, it's a lot of that, those female characteristics, which are awesome, but we're looking to find out as young boys, like, who am I? What does it mean to be a man? How do I do it? Well, I want to be like dad. Dad is Superman to me or dad is the criminal, uh, the villain, you know, in one of the Superman movies. Uh, but we look up to our dads, whether good or bad, we look up to them as the example, not just for masculinity and how we're going to be, but also for the example of God, because our fathers are fathers and they're made in God's image and likeness, right? So we get to see God in them. And unfortunately, a lot of fathers are broken. Uh, again, they don't know what to do with their own anger from their childhoods, etc. So they they're broken boys that become broken men that then rose raise broken children who become broken men and it just continues on and on i don't know how have you seen your clients react to different father archetypes you know one that was absent or one that beat them or one that was you know always there and calm and went to all the baseball games like how do these different things manifest um in the child yeah, good question. Uh so I think men go one of two directions when um they're looking at their own life and what kind of man they're going to be, you know. Um they either going they want to be exactly like their dad because their dad had all these awesome amazing qualities um and characteristics or they want to be the exact opposite of their dad because he wasn't there for them. He abandoned them. He left them. He hurt them. He abused them. He broke their trust, etc. And we see a lot of that coming out in the news and the media, etc. So as a young man, we choose like which am I going to do? Well, I don't want to be anything like my dad. I don't like the way he did it. I'm going to do the exact opposite. The problem is we witnessed masculinity in our fathers for so long that it actually seeped down into our subconscious. So even though we, we tried not to be like dad, for example, which I did, by the way, I, I wanted to be the opposite of my dad. Yet when I finally started dating and I got married, I found myself showing up just like my father, out of control, explosive. Uh, I would do it in business. I would push people away from me. I was the lone wolf. Um, 
You know, I was just an angry, volatile person. I was a workaholic, all these things, right? And a lot of that came from my dad, even though I, my intention was to be the exact opposite. So we have to address those once we become young men, right? But most men don't know how to do that. So that's what I get to help them do. A marketer that I know, he had worked on uh, arthritis and he said that men seem to react to, with anger to frustration or disability or other problems. And women yes. seem to react with sadness. But yes. What have you seen? Is that I, I've seen follow? exactly that. Yeah, I think he's spot on. You know, what I've learned uh, in my own life personally, Richard, is that anytime I felt out of control, uh, there was things in my life that I just couldn't control, whether it be people or situations, projects at work, uh, et cetera, that would stack up and build into frustration. The frustration, if left unaddressed, would build into anger. Uh, the anger, if left unaddressed, would build into this inner rage within me. Um, and I would just show up so controlling in my business, so controlling in my, my dating relationships because – Again, going back to that, as a man, we have to control things. Like, I believe we're all a bunch of little control freaks, right? Some of us admit it, others are in denial. But our need to control and then our inability to do so, that gap in between is where all the anger comes from. So I believe the only one that's in control of our lives is God. That doesn't mean we show up irresponsible by any means. But if you look at the pandemic as an example... Look at how much in our lives is outside of our control. We can't stop things from happening. We can't start things from, you know, it's just like it comes to a point where we just get so frustrated that we can't manipulate. We can't control things. We can't get people to think the way we think, do what we want to do, and we get angry about it. And then on top of it, society tells us, man, you're not allowed to be angry. You're not allowed right, to. That's man. a that is a bad characteristic. You will be canceled for that. So where does that leave us, men? It leaves us in a very uh, difficult place. And, and that leads to what I believe is the number one myth about anger, men's anger specifically. And that is that anger is bad. You know, the world tells us mm. anger is bad, especially in men. That's a myth. It's a lie, 100%. See, anger is a God-given um, characteristic of masculinity. There's strength in anger. When you're angry, you become a very strong, powerful force, a force of nature. And as men, we can look in our own lives at those times when we got angry about something and we had to defend someone or fight someone and, or drive a project, push it forward. And anger is a very powerful uh, energy in business. It can make us very successful. I know in my own business, I did seven figures very early on because I channeled all my anger into business. Mm. But here's here's the thing. Anger is good in certain areas of our life and dangerous in others in our personal lives. When we bring anger home, yell at our wives and kids, we destroy the very relationships we're working for. So the number one myth about anger is that it's bad when in fact it actually is good. It's just misdirected. And the reason why it's misdirected is because as men, again, going back to my own life, my clients' lives, all the men I get to work with, there's this part of us we look at different areas of our life, Rich, and we see areas that are outside our control, like we said, or we see areas that we're being complacent or lazy in. We're not taking control of. It's like, I know I should be doing that, this, but I don't. And I, so I get frustrated. So that complacency builds up as well, right? So the anger has got to come out somewhere, 
But rather than putting the anger, pointing the anger in the direction of the thing that I need to change in myself, in my life, and take that on and do the hard. We're men. We're made for hard. And do the hard. What do we do? We get complacent. And then we get frustrated and then we blow up and blame everyone around us because we didn't actually take ownership of that area of our life. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's frustration there, all kinds of stuff. And right, if you go home and you're not nice to your family, then it's it's shameful. So it's like this really bad cycle that I try to work on all the time. And I'm sure a lot of people try to work on, but it's very difficult. That's exactly it, right? We get pulled into the shame cycle. Right, Because now we're blowing up on our wives and kids more often than we should or that we would want to. And then immediately we feel guilt and shame around it, which then does what? Makes us feel out of control, even in that area, which then builds into frustration and more anger. And around and around we go. So what do we do? We look for outlets. We look for adult pacifiers, you know, suck on toys as men. That looks like pornography. That looks like alcoholism. That looks like cheating on our spouses. Uh, it looks like workaholism, right? These are the pacifiers of men, right? Because we need some release. We need to self-soothe that anger somewhere, that feeling of out of control. But it's dangerous and it destroys our lives, all these areas. And there's a better way I'd love to tell you about whenever you're ready. Yeah, that's, that's what I was just about to ask you is, right, so what do you do to control your anger or to... I guess relieve the source of it. Controlling it, I don't know if it'd be very effective, but relieving the source. Yeah, well said. Anger is is such a volatile energy that, again, you can direct it, right? So there's two things you can do with your anger as a man. The first thing we spoke about earlier, and that is look at the area of your life that's out of control. And if there's something you should be doing, go ahead and do that, even if it's hard. Point your anger. Get angry at the situation. Get angry at your complacency. Don't get angry at the people. Don't beat the crap out of yourself. It's useless. It doesn't actually help you. But get angry at the complacency and say, enough. I'm taking this on. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. So that's one way to channel your anger in a very positive and effective manner. Uh, the second thing, which I think is for your entire life, uh, not just, you know, areas where you want to produce, but is to surrender the anger, to give it up um, to the only one who is in charge. And I'm a man of faith. I get to work with a lot of men of faith. Um, and what we do is we teach them and I give them the tools of how to surrender uh, their anger to God, right? So that they release it from themselves. Again, as men, we're trained since little boys, push it down, push it down so you don't have to deal with it. These, these negative emotions, only women are allowed to feel in public, not men, but we're humans, right? And we got real emotions. So we push them down, we push them down and, and they turn into what I call rocks, right? And the rocks grow in our soil, right? And then eventually they become boulders, right? And then you can't ignore them. And all of a sudden you're like, man, my wife wants to leave me. Where did that come from? Like I've done everything for that woman. I gave her everything she ever wanted. I bought her the $3 million home. I bought her the Mercedes every time the new model comes out. I, like I, I provide for all my kids. I get them every toy. I get them every device. What more do they want from me? I didn't see this coming, Joseph. It's like, yeah, that's right. Because you pressed the rock so deep down, it, you no longer could see it. But it was still there and it was growing and festering. So eventually the rocks comes to the soil. That's the time, but you want to catch it earlier. But I teach men how to take that rock, that boulder that's now too big for them to take on themselves because their strength's not enough. 
It grew so big. And I, I teach them how to actually hand that to God and say, God, this is too big for me. I can't do it. Only you can do it. Here you go. I give you permission. Take this on. Show me what you want me to do. I'll take on whatever steps. I'll do the work. But I'm, I'm going to release all that negative, crushing, backbreaking weight of this area of my life to you. Yeah, what happens when, again, someone perceives God as uh, vengeful or mean or uncaring or not even there? Boom. Big one, right? That was one of the biggest rocks. Rocks just means head trash, by the way. That was one of the biggest rocks I had to overcome, Rich, in my own life, You know, going back to my childhood, was the, how I saw God. The way I did it, practically speaking, was I went and I sat with him in silence. I actually blocked out time in my schedule for two weeks. And I said, God... You know, and by the way, at this point, I was just so far away from God, I, like agnostic, atheist. You know, I, I left it all behind because I wanted nothing to do with him. And I pursued business and, the, you know, I worshiped three new gods, the God of money, pleasure and success. And I got them right. I did very well, but I was miserable and angry and volatile. And then eventually, I 10 years later, after I lost everything, very prodigal son story, if you know, prodigal son in the Bible. And I came back to my senses and I slowly was trying to figure out what does it mean to even be a man? What does this God look like? You know, is he even for real? And uh, I just felt this prompting on the inside. And, you know, I guessed it was maybe God speaking to me. Like, and I just heard this whisper, like, come spend time with me. Come spend time with me. And I, I was just like, I'm busy. I got to rebuild my life, man. I lost everything. I partied it all away. You know, it's your fault, God. It's your fault. Cause I didn't want to take ownership as a man, you know, I was still a broken boy and I didn't want to claim my own mess, but eventually the nagging just pursued rich. And, uh, I got so angry that I said one of my best prayers ever. I said, what do you want? Like, God, can't you see I'm busy Rebuild <laughs> rebuilding my life here? Like almost like it's your fault. Can't you see what you cause? Even though it was all my decisions that caused it. Right. And, and I was like, but the nagging just pursued and uh, eventually I was like, fine, you want me to come spend time with you? Here's the deal. Here's all my bills. Go ahead and provide enough money to pay off all my bills and I'll come spend time with you. Until then, I don't want to hear from you. So it was angry. It was arrogant, but it was honest. And this is did, what God... Did a, miracle, did a miracle come and all your bills went away or what happened next? Two weeks later, two of my buddies that were very financially well off, uh, a plastic surgeon and an attorney... They both reached out to me and asked if they could hire me and pay me for life coaching. I had never done life coaching at that uh, point before, and nor did I think I was good at it. But they saw one or two areas of my life that were working, and those were the areas they were deficient in. See, they had all the money and success, but they had no human connection with people, and they didn't know how to do that, and they thought I could teach them. So they both hired me, wrote checks, and with those two checks and a little savings, I was able to pay off all my bills and more. I took off for eight months, actually, and uh, I started partying away the money because I was so broken, and I forgot my deal, my deal with God. And I had a godly buddy around me who said, Joseph, how's it going? I was like, good, man. I'm having a great time. Hey, I see that, Joseph. You remember that deal you made with God? How you doing with your part? It looks like he's done his part. How you doing with yours, Joseph? Uh -oh. no. And it was like a punch in the throat, Rich. Guilt. Ah, oh, crap. God did give me the money. All right. So I showed up the next day at you know a little church around my area, and I sat there in one of those wood benches, and I said, God, 
I'm here. I don't want to be here, but I'm here. I'll give you an hour a week for the next two weeks. I'll show up. If you want to talk, let me know. Otherwise, I'll just sit here just pissed off and bored, really. And do you know that God met me right there? And within two weeks, he started putting the right people in my life, godly men who taught me how to quiet my mind, shut out all the noise, the chaos in my brain, finally flip the switch and hear the quiet whisper of my maker. And man, he started to pour into me my identity, all the childhood wounds from, you know, my fatherhood wounds, my, my mom, mother wounds, you know, from the volatile divorce, you know, when I was eight and a half years old, my parents. And he started to fill in all these areas of brokenness in me as a man, as an adult. And I didn't know what he was doing or how he was doing it, but I felt like I was, you know, laying on a table with the heart surgeon of the universe and he was fixing me. And then he started to speak who he actually was. Like he started tell me who he was, not who the world told me he was, or I thought he was, you know, that tyrannical God that I had to. What do you mean? Tell, tell you who he was. What, what, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is like, he started to show up in a very fatherly way, which was very foreign to me, like odd. Cause I was expecting a dictator with like loaded guns <laughs> and a paddle. And uh, he was showing up with this tender side rather than the tough and all I had really heard about was the tough side and experienced a lot of the tough. I saw some tender in my dad. Don't get me wrong. My dad tried, but I remembered the tough more than the tender. And God was revealing to me his paternal tenderness as a father to a son. And just the way he was speaking with me and I'm writing and everything I'm hearing and listening to and the the warmth of, of, of love around me, I just felt for the first time in my life and I felt like he was real and I'm like hearing from him and it wasn't just my brain making up crap because he was answering the questions I've had my whole life that there's no way I could make these answers up and the answers connected everything. It connected all the dots, all the puzzle pieces. And I was like, what well, the heck is, is going on? Is there an answer that's not too private that could have only been an answer from him that you can share? If not, it's okay. I just figured I'd ask once. That's such a brilliant question. I've, I don't think I've ever been asked that. So my parents, when I, they got divorced when I was eight and a half years old and, um, I didn't know what, why, and I didn't know why God would allow that. Why my loving home became a war zone overnight for two years of custody battles and one of my parents whispered into my ears over and over again that the other parent never loved me. It was all a lie. They were pretending my whole childhood. And I needed to pick them, you know, for custody. Jeez, that's terrible. It was, Yeah, it's a mind F, right? It's a mind F on a little boy. But you know what? My parents, they're good people, man. They were broken. They were just trying to survive themselves in the situation. It was battle. It was warfare. And to me, it wasn't my parents. It was the enemy. It was using them as puppets, you know, to hurt everybody in the home. But, uh, yeah, so, like, you know, I'm like, God, why did that happen, man? You know, what happened? What happened to me at eight and a half years old where my life all of a sudden went down this other trajectory? And what God revealed to me was that um, at eight and a half years old, I felt betrayed, by um, the parent who said those words because, well, first off, if they were right and the other parent, you know, was pretending, well, then I felt betrayal from that parent, right? How could I ever trust them again if they were faking it? And then if that parent that said it was actually lying about the other parent, what the heck kind of parent would ever say that to their child? 
and I felt betrayal from that direction. So I had both right. mo- mommy wounds and daddy wounds at that point, right? And I'm like, God, what, 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 what? Why did that happen? And what happened? And and in an instant, it was just revealed to me that at eight and a half years old, I couldn't process all that betrayal from the two greatest heroes of my life, my mom and my dad. So I made an unconscious decision as a little boy, never to love again, never to let anyone into that part of my heart because I never wanted to be hurt that way again. Nobody ever was going to get access to that. So I shut down my heart and, you know, I look back over all my dating relationships and I was like, Oh my gosh, that explains everything. I never let girls fully in. They didn't stand a chance with me. When they got too close, they started to say, I love you, all that stuff. I Heisman them. I put, I blocked them, man. And then, and, and I dumped them. I got out of the relationships and I made it all their fault. Like there was something wrong with them when I was the one that just didn't know how to be loved anymore. No, thanks for the example. That's a really powerful, amazing example. Sorry if that's too mushy gushy for a lot of your guys no. listening, bro. Well, I have, I have any, I don't know. To me, it's kind of a funny example. I wonder if it damaged me. I'm not sure, but, um, I remember a friend of mine in college, he was talking to someone that I knew and I knew the context and the background and he was lying, you know, he was lying to the person, you know, he was making up okay. stories. And, and when the person left, I said, Hey, why'd you lie to that person? He, he said some reason, whatever. And he goes, don't worry, Rich, I would never lie to you because you'd see right through it. And he put his hand on my shoulder and said that. And I was like horrified because I'd known this person for 10 years. And when he said that, I was like, what the, it just kind of, ripped the foundation off of the relationship, the friendship. And, mm. you know, things kind of went down from there. So it's kind of funny, but kind of not. But it was a weird, it was just a really weird thing for him to do. I don't know what you, what you think about that, but it's just an example that maybe listeners might be interested in. I think it's a good example you bring up because this is how we show up in our lives as men. We show up as, as liars. Why? Because we're broken, right? And we don't want to address all those rocks from our childhood wounds the same way I didn't, right? No man wants to look on the inside. It's too dark and scary there. So we press it down and we just ignore it, right? So what do we, what happens as a consequence? Well, we start lying to ourselves. We start lying to others rather than show up authentic and say, Hey, I'm a broken mess, man. I didn't cause it. I was an innocent little boy. But man, I got some serious rocks I got to go in and take on. And I'm going to find a way to get these things out of me so that I can show up whole and complete in my life. Because right now, I'm scared of most things in my life, hmm. right? I'm, I'm, I, I lived in imposter syndrome. I made seven figures in our first 12 months and I felt like a fraud. Someone's going to find out. I don't actually know what the heck I'm doing. And by the way, on my podcast, your first 100K, I've interviewed uh, people doing 100,000 last year, and I've interviewed guests that did 250 million last year in their business. And they all wrestle with imposter syndrome. Why? Because we're lying to ourselves and we're lying to everyone around us rather than going in and doing the hard, the hard work of excavating the rocks, looking at them, and then surrendering them to God so that he can blow them up permanently. And we never have to deal with them again. And by no means is what I do counseling. I don't do counseling. I don't do therapy. And though those are good and helpful for a lot of people, they're incomplete in my opinion. I have plenty of clients that come to me that, Joseph, I've been in you know counseling or therapy for 15 years dealing with this stuff, man. It helps a little. I'm like, how's it going? Well, I still got the, the rocks. I'm like, I know. 
Because all you're doing is moving them from one side of your back to the other your whole life by talking about them, complaining about them, airing them. You're not actually getting rid of them. See, what, I, what we do in the, the coaching container that you know, my, me and my clients meet in is we go in with God's power and we blast those suckers to smithereens once and for all. So it's a one and done. See, if you look at Jesus in the Bible, every time he healed someone, he never said, okay, now go ahead and schedule your follow-up visit. Did he? No. No, it was was a permanent healing because when God's power comes in, he heals once and for all. So that's why I'm not a genius by any means, but I am a man who is broken and I have dealt with a lot of the addictions in my own life that my clients show up with. I had severe sex addiction. I had a, like it, it was bad because it was a pacifier for me because it was filling the void, uh, attempting to fill the void. You can't fill the black hole inside of you, but I was trying to fill the void. So now when I speak with men and they show up from all walks of life, men far smarter than me. I got doctors, attorneys, I got celebrities, I got uh, athletes. You know all these guys that are, you know, they're elite elite performers in life and in business. And many of them have accomplished far more than me. But man, they're like, Joseph, you meet me right where I am and you actually know what I'm talking about because you've been in the darkness yourself. You've been in the trenches. All right, now show me how to get out. And I'm like, let's go, brother. Let's go. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you, brother. There's nothing wrong with you. The enemy in the world and the feminist and all that stuff, they want you to think you're broken. You're irreparable as a man. Give up. Show up as Bart Simpson. Show up as family guy. You know, this pushover, weak, yeah, passive. People, men, men in the movies are always portrayed as idiots. And always, idiots right? Like so we have an entire... Or as just soldiers and violent and one-dimensional. Exactly. There you go. Perfect. Right. So we have this, uh, two to three generations, Rich, as you, as you know, of uh, these passive, uh, American males. I call them PAMs, right? They're PAMs. They're, they're passive. They're complacent. They won't take on the hard because they don't even actually know if it's going to work out. And everyone says, don't try. Don't try. Don't apply that anger anywhere in your life. But, you know, what we do is we teach men that, hey, you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You just got some rocks standing between you and what you actually want in your life or what you want in your marriage or what you want in your parenting or in your business or your relationship with God. I am a highly trained demolition expert. You want to blow those rocks up? Let's go. Men like blowing up things, man. But men hate doing inner work. Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending bright daily capsules, powered by Neurobloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors. Available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5. So does it... Have you been? I know you focus on Christian men, but have you sure. done things in a secular way, or is it always with the help of God? 
Yeah, great question. So of course, there's practical tools from human psychology that we use in our coaching. Um, I've had, I've coached clients that came to me as atheists, as agnostics, and they're like, dude, uh, like, do I have to be a Christian to work with you uh, and get the results? I'm like, no, you don't have to be a Christian to work with me, but you do have to be open to truth. So if you're willing to pursue truth wherever it leads you, so you have to be open that there may be a God and you may be wrong and you may not be him. You know, um, if you're open to that, that you're not the God of your own universe and there is a possible higher power above you that does want to love you and help you. Yeah, that then that's cool. Right. I'll meet you right there. See, God met me when I was an atheist. He he came into the darkness I was the lost sheep, if you know the Bible, right? He left the 99 good sheep and he came and found the broken, deserted, partying sheep out in the darkness. He came and found me. I wasn't looking for him. I was like a couple breaths away from eternal damnation. I was being strangled to death, almost murdered. Like my life was bad. I screwed things up. But his mercy compelled him to come and find me. So it doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey is the short answer. As long as you're not willing to stay there. If you're willing to go forward and grow wherever that leads you, then I can help you. If you're not, well, then you're closed-minded and you're not ready for the coaching anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. You probably already said it in multiple different ways. But what are sure. what are some of the most common hurts that men have that come to you? You mentioned imposter syndrome. But these mm-hmm. deep, older things that, you know, like you call the rocks, what are they comprised of? What's the subset of like the majority of people that what they have? I would say the, the majority of men are dealing with guilt and shame from past mistakes or past hurts. And they're carrying uh, those shame rocks around with them. Um, and they're crushing them. And it doesn't allow them to be present with their wives, with their kids, with their employees, with their staff. Uh, they're showing up like um, a hollow man, right? A shell. Uh, with a fake smile, but on the inside, they're hurting because they haven't addressed it. Uh, you know, they've been a lot of guys. I mean, think about it, the statistics, right? To go dark for a second, you know, last time I checked, which was years ago, it was one in five uh, boys, you know, under the age of seven have been molested, right? One in five. And then for girls, it was three in five, three in five, right? So when you think about that, we'll just stick with men here. You know, one in five men, someone broke their trust and, and hurt them sexually. Like, think about that. Imagine the guilt and shame they, they dealt with. I know uh, of a specific gentleman, and I'll, I'll share as an example, uh, just a quick his story here. When he was a young boy, he moved to a new area with his parents, et cetera, and he was trying to fit in with the neighborhood kids. And these older kids, uh, you know, invited him, hey, you want to come uh, – over to the graveyard, we're going to like have some fun and hang out and party, whatever. And he was like, ah, cool. So they went to the graveyard and um, these kids, they all ganged up on him and they raped him, all these older boys, sickening. Jeez. And, uh, and uh, then they made him feel guilty. They started taunting him and calling him gay um, because he possibly took pleasure in it, right? And, and talk about a mind F, emotional F, spiritual F on, on this little boy. And then they, uh, said, um, we're going to leave you, we're, you're going to dig your own grave. And they brought a shovel with them and they had him start digging his own grave and they were going to bury him there. So there was no witnesses. I mean, talk about it. That's horrible. It's, but think about the rocks, the broken hurt in those boys for them to be able to do something, 
like that, right? Let alone the rocks they're now throwing at this boy. So yeah, my, inclination, my inclination would be to go back there and smash them all in the head with a hammer. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like right. Yep. There you go. But thank goodness God is the only one that can judge and not us. Otherwise, you know, the entire world would be dead right now. Right. Cause we would kill each other off, <laughs> you know? So, but it, I'll wrap up the story. You know, that man, that little boy, he starts digging his own grave and an adult ended up walking on the grave site or whatever, the graveyard entering in. And uh, he ran, he ran as fast as he could and he got out, he got out safely. Right. But for the rest of his life, he said, um, especially in his dating relationships, he always questioned if he was gay, if he was straight, uh, he couldn't connect with girls. Uh, he just carried the guilt and the shame um, for most of his adult life. And then uh, he found pacifiers, right? He became an alcoholic. Then that turned into major drug use. Um, and, and he was just addicted to all these things. And it wasn't until he came back to God, right? And God was able to heal him of all these rocks and bless them out um, that he was finally set free. But think about that. He didn't cause any of those rocks that he was carrying. Other people did. But he was carrying um, them his whole life. The question, it seems like a lot of people would get to the point, if they take the path you're suggesting, where they would say to God, why did you allow this to happen? And yes. is there a satisfying answer for all these people? There must be if they're able to move on. And what is that? So here's what I've learned and what God's revealed to me, Rich, uh, in that question. When it comes to asking God why questions, why this? Why weren't you there? Why did you allow this, God? Why? They tend to be circular questions. We never actually get the answer we're looking for when we ask God why questions. What I've learned is when you shift your questions from why questions to what questions, everything changes. When you start asking God, God, what was meant to come of that? What was the reason I had to go through that hurt or experience that thing in, in my life? What was the reason why? Oh, yeah, what was the reason why um, that storm happened or, you know, uh, I, I'm addicted to sex and I can't get out of it? Like, what do you want me to do next with this? What What is your plan for my life from all this hurt, from all this brokenness? And when I started asking what questions and I stopped asking why questions, which are just circular and you never arrive at good answers, and I asked the what questions, I started to get real answers that started to fill in all those wounds in my life. Does that is that helpful? Yeah, I guess it's, you know, this is a situation. We just got to move forward. Yeah, a lot of... Uh, here instead of... Lamenting the past. Why sounds like lamenting the past? You know, it's not it story. really is. Yeah, it's kind of like therapy. It's talking about it, but not moving past it. So when you uh, you let go of your why questions and you release the grieving process of the hurt, the mistrust, the brokenness, even the loss, right? You lo lose a spouse. It's very common. You say, God, why? You know how many people, Rich, I know that have left God, left religion, left their church after their spouse died because they blamed God? Oh, really? Oh, 100%. Like, why would you take them? I wasn't ready for you to take the love of my life, God. I want nothing to do with you. But it's just the circle of life. But, you know, I haven't experienced it, thank goodness. So that's why I'm you know, surprised at it. So. Yeah. So these people are able to move forward from grief and loss when they start asking God, what questions? What's next for me? Um, what's to come of this? What do you want me to do with the remainder of my life? That allows you to break free from the past and move into the into the the present, act in the present, and create that future you want. 
So how many, um, what percentage of the men you speak to are, I don't know, they say they're Christian or they're a faith or they're Catholic and they're not, they're really not. I mean, they're just in name only, but they don't feel it. They don't really, there's nothing going on there. So to clarify your question, you're asking what percentage of clients do you take on, Joseph, that are exactly the way you were, you know, (laughs) in denial, Christians in denial. Listen, people have good hearts, Rich, you know, they really believe they're Christians. They're, they're really trying but they haven't moved from their head to their heart. They haven't moved from religion to relationship yet. The same way I hadn't yet. This is where all the problems lie. All the rocks are in your head, brother. If you're listening to the show right now, all the rocks are in your head, right? And this is, I call the battleground of the enemy. This is where the enemy wins against you all the time. So people that deal with mental health issues, uh, anxiety, you know, stress, all this stuff. And they don't know what, how to cope with it, how to live in that space. It's because they're living in their head 24 seven. And that's the battleground that the enemy always wins in because he studied humanity since the beginning of time. He's just the world's, the universe's greatest social scientist. He knows more about the human mind than we do collectively as a species. So he knows exactly how to trip me up, you up, because he's been watching us since we were a little boy. He knows exactly what we're tempted towards, what we're not, etc. right? So anytime we battle him or fight the, the, the spiritual battle in the, the brain, we're losing. So I believe you got to change the battleground. You got to change the battleground. This is what I teach men to do, right? And they say the furthest distance in the universe is from the head to the heart, right? You've heard that before. And it is, especially in men. Nobody teaches us how to navigate that process except me. I do. I teach that because God taught me and others taught me. So when you move the battleground from your head and you move it to the heart, well, in the Bible, Jesus says he lives in the heart of man, not the head of man. So now you're in, you're in, uh, God's kingdom, right? The kingdom of heaven resides within. So he, he resides in our heart because that's where the king is. So when you start to live from your heart, and spend time in silence there with God and actually hear him. Let him fill in all the wounds that, the way he did for me and he wants to do for you. Well, everything changes. All the noise of your head starts to simmer down. The chaos, you're not stuck in anymore. Now you're, you're in the kingdom of heaven and you fight the battle there. And the enemy has no power in your heart. None. Like zero. When you start moving in your life and showing up in your life and in your relationships from your heart, from a place of pure love rather than selfishness or control, well, everything changes. You get what you want in your marriage because when you show up fully loving, when the past 10 or 20 years you've been just about what your wife can do for you and perform for you, and now all of a sudden you're about her, you're about the kids, you're about being fully present with everyone you meet, like, well, guess what? People show up different. They respond to that. And all of a sudden, they start being fully present with you, and you start to get the relationship that you've been dreaming of in every area of your life. And when you start to show up that way, guess what? People want to be around you, and they want to hand you money. So you make more money in your business. Your business is double, triple, quadruple. I mean, the ROI that I see in my clients' businesses after a few months of working together with me is phenomenal. They're freed, and so wealth comes to them. That's exactly it. Listen, we're walking around with a bunch of rocks on our shoulders, right? We're broken men. When you break those and, and God blast those off your shoulders and you're free and you're upright and you look men in the eye and you walk up on a stage with confidence and certainty about your purpose and why you're here, who you are and what you're meant to do, 
the world, as they say, the universe is drawn to you. So you make more money, right? You get your relationship ROI quadruples or 10Xs, right? So now you feel loved. You, you show up loving, right? And your life is filled with peace and with purpose. So that's what I sell. I sell peace and purpose, right? So any man that wants that, that's the gift. That's the offer. But you got to go through the hard. You got to go through the hard work. Yeah, what are some of the uh, the main excuses you get from men that are just not ready? They say they are, they come to you, but they're just not ready. What are they saying to you that translates to that? Yeah, great question. Uh, one of the most common phrases I hear is, Joseph, I, I hear what you're saying, man. I got some stuff I need to work on. Absolutely. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Or I need to work on it. That's one of the most common catchphrases I hear from men. I'm working on it. I got to work on it. And I turn back to him. I was like, I get it, bro. Um, how long you been working on that? Well, I, I guess a few years. Uh, well, maybe 10 years. I'm like, got it. How's it going? Is it working or not working? Oh, well, I guess it's not working. So just to be clear, you think if you just push harder, work harder, it's going to work. That's called insanity, brother. You're doing the same thing, right? And eventually what you're going to find is you're going to be on your deathbed with no one around you. Your wife left. Your kids are disconnected. They say, F you, dad. You weren't there for me. I'm not there for you. And you'll have a pile of money for sure, but you'll have nothing that lasts. And that's a sad place to be. So that's one of the most common things I hear is, uh, you know, I'm working on it. Um, then other men, common strategies, uh, they refuse to ask for help, right? As men, we don't want to ask for help because we were taught that's a sign of weakness. Strong men don't ask for help. That's a lie. Are you kidding me? I'm one of the strongest men people know. And I ask for help all the time. I actually ask for directions, Rich, when I'm lost. Can you imagine Good. that? Good Could you imagine you. that? You do? Yeah, yeah. I may not do other things, but I do ask for directions <laughs> or helps. But at least I do that. Well, that's all coaching is. It's saying, hey, brother, I see you've been through the war that I'm entering right now or I've been stuck in for years. Can you show me the way out? Give me directions. That's all coaching is. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of intelligence. Hmm. Sign of intelligence. Okay? And then other men, they deny they have rocks to begin with. I remember I had uh, one client, um, JD, and, uh, you know, JD came to me and, um, you know, I remember on the initial call, um, you know, we were just talking about whether or not we're a good fit for the coaching. And he's like, Joseph, you know, I can't say I have any rocks in my life. And I'm like, wow, you're an impressive human being. Like, I don't know of any man that doesn't have any rocks he's carrying. He's like, nah, I think I'm good. I don't have any rocks. And then he goes on to tell me how uh, he he can't commit or refuses to commit to his girlfriend for a long-term relationship. Internally, he's got a command, you know, that to her, like, you will never hurt me. You will never hurt me. Because as we uncovered later on, can I tell you his story real quick? Sure, yeah. Yep. All right. So uh, JD uh, and his wife, they were happily married for 17 years, right? Um, then after her her father died, she flipped out, completely flipped out, like something snapped inside of her. Um, she went and had an affair on him, on JD, hey. uh, and then attempted, ready, to poison JD uh, by mixing arsenic into his protein shakes for years. Like it was oh. like, dude, it's, it's insane. Uh, she then accused him of cheating on her. And giving her an STD, she persuaded him uh, to attend marriage counseling to save their marriage, right? It was all his fault. And uh, then she had him involuntarily committed into a psychiatric hospital uh, through their their uh, marriage counselor. You know, this left JD emotionally and spiritually destroyed. 
like he was in a whirlwind storm, like what the F just happened and why am I in the psych ward? And then he started to believe maybe I'm mentally insane. Maybe my wife is right. Okay. And so here he was in his early fifties, rich, uh, newly divorced, trying to rebuild his life from scratch. He finally got out of the psych ward. Um, he was able to get a divorce and, and free himself. And, and while he was in there, he got quiet with God in the psych ward and he was able to, God opened up. He asked God questions and God opened up that his wife was the one cheating on him, you know, and, and he found evidence, God revealed it, whatever, and he was able to get free, right? Um, and start his life over. But, um, he was lost and without purpose, as you can imagine. He came out, he was a mess. His kids didn't believe him, like just broken relationships everywhere. So somehow he stumbled <laughs> across my work, uh, although he was very, ex uh, skeptical, right? He ended up joining my 90 day boot camp and stuff. And, uh, you know, we blew up so many rocks that supposedly JD didn't have. How could a man go through what I just described and not have any rocks he's carrying in his head? Think about that. Yeah, that's true. Right. The betrayal, you've been poisoned by your, the person you trust most. Like it's insane. So fast forward, happy ending. Uh, JD through the coaching. Uh, now he's teaching divorced Christian men how to succeed, uh, after being in a, an abusive marriage. Right. Uh, after working with me, his book, it's called The Third Gift. The Third Gift. Um, it, it's actually been categorized in the true crime category, uh, talking about, you know, this, his marriage and the poisoning and everything. Um, it's sold out on Amazon more than five times already. He has over 187,000, wow. 187,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, did he, did he dedicate the book to her? Uh, that I don't know, but, um, the, the title is, uh, my dance with the devil and her mother. That's, that's, that's the subtitle because her mother, you know, came at him as well. Uh, his online videos of his shocking story went from a few thousand views before we were coaching together, uh, to now over 1 million views. Um, and a couple of his videos have over 15 million views per video. So that's the power of the system that we're talking about. When we blow up rocks using God's power, he comes in and sets men free. That's when they get their peace back. And once they have peace, which is a prerequisite for purpose, they're able to step into their purpose and calling fully. Can, can you, um, do you think these people can have peace? Well, do they have to let go of the desire for revenge or do they have the desire for revenge or vengeance? And does that have to be let go in order to achieve peace? Well, that's a great question, right? I have uh, an answer to that, but I want to ask you, what do you think? They probably do have to let go of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Why? Because that's a rock that's holding them down. It's crushing them. When you're carrying anger and resentment, what do they say? Like holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's the frustrating thing, though, is you can't even get mad and enjoy it. Yeah, there's, listen, there's no actual real pleasure in misery, is there? No, it's true. It's true yeah. There isn't. So that's a rock. So like anyone who's listening and you're carrying anger and resentment, I mean, think about JD, right? JD had reason to retaliate on his ex-wife. Talk about good reason, yeah, right? Justifiable yeah, reason. She tried to murder him. That was attempted right. murder, attempted right. homicide. And rather than retaliate, God had him forgive her. Think hmm. about that. God had him yeah, forgive her. This is where true peace comes is when you're able to forgive your enemy, hmm. the one who tried to destroy you and was very successful maybe in, in destroying many areas of your life. When you're able to look them in the eye 
and say, I truly forgive you, and I wish you the best in your life. You have no part or place in my life ever again, but I wish you the best and God's blessing in yours. That is when you're set free from your own rocks you're carrying. Yeah. Until then, you're carrying that person in your heart, and they're taking up space, and they're blocking you from the people that maybe God wants to bring to you. I thought about when I imagine someone sitting in your office with you and you have like two big rocks and you sit on one and they sit on the other. And that's like where your furniture is in your, in your therapy room. You know, if you had one. Dude, I think I'm going to hire you for my marketing, man. That's brilliant. <laughs> Little rock chairs. I like it. Or I could just sit in a rocking chair like their grandmother and, and we'll call it a rock. Well, very good, Joseph. I've, uh, how can people get help from you? Where can they apply to work with you? And where can they, you know, let's re, re- restate the name of your podcast so they can go listen and get some help if they want. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we spoke about men and men's anger today and being set free from that stress and those burdens we carry. I'd like to offer your audience a gift, which is my book. I just wrote a new short, easy to read book for men. So it's a quick read. It's 30 to 40 minutes. Um, it's punchy. It's right to it. It's got all the stories like JD's in there. Um, but it's also going to teach you the seven steps to mastering your anger and your stress, if that's something you deal with. Um, but maybe you're a guy who like, hey, Joseph, I'm past the anger. I used to be that way years ago, but I stopped yelling at my wife and kids. But man, I really just want to get purpose in my life right now. Like, what does God have next for me? I don't know. I'm killing it in business. I have all these resources. How does God want me to use those resources for his kingdom? Maybe that's you. So if you're either of those men, um, I'm going to give you this book. Go to freepurposebook.com, freepurposebook.com. Um, I will cover the book uh, and you cover the shipping. Um, so that's my gift to you and you can go get that. I think that will help you out. If you are saying, man, Joseph, you're my guy. I want to hear more about applying to coach with you, either in a group coaching setting with other uh, really awesome elite men like myself, um, or I want one-on-one coaching with you. Um, and you can apply for that. I only work with 12 men a year in that capacity. Uh, you could go to blowuprocks.com, blowuprocks.com uh, and apply there. And then the podcast is brokencatholic.com or first100k.com. Richard, you're a rock star, my friend. Oh, you too. Thanks so much for coming, Joseph. It's been a great call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending bright daily capsules powered by NeuroBloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors, available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. 
This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.